Hello, listeners and viewers. I hope you've been enjoying the episodes of this season so far and receiving great insights to put into action. I wanted to let you know about some upcoming news. There's going to be a short break of episodes for the holiday of Passover that's going to be coming up in a couple weeks. So in the next two weeks, we'll most likely not have a podcast episode. My newsletters, however, will continue on Fridays. So go sign up on my website for that. After Passover, however, I do have some exciting news. I will begin to share episodes weekly of the six-part series on health that I've been doing with YouTube's most famous rabbi, Rabbi Manus Friedman. So that's going to be starting after Passover and throughout, God willing, the Hebrew month of ER, which is around May time. Month of ER is an auspicious time for healing. The month itself, spelled in Hebrew, is the letters Aleph Yud Yud Resh, which if you take each letter, it's an acronym for Ani Hashem, I am God, your healer, Ani Hashem Rafecha, making it a fitting time to do these episodes, especially because it's going to be all about healing and health. Today's guest is Danny Gavin, the founder and S and CEO of Optage Agency and ODO Academy. He's a digital marketing strategist, consultant, coach, speaker, and executive, as well as an adjunct professor in the marketing department, teaching MBAs and ex executives about social media and search engine optimization marketing at the University of Houston. It was a really fun episode and has very valuable insights. And you can check out more about Danny Gavin and find links to his website on LinkedIn under his name, Danny Gavin. Here's also a gentle reminder that if you're new to this show, or if you haven't seen it yet, a good place to start is the recent YouTube video or podcast trailer entitled Ebb and Flow, Holistic Hasidic Health. In that video or audio, you will hear all about this new season, who's it for, my newsletter that comes out every Friday, and my coaching services. Please leave a review about the show and today's guest on Apple Podcasts and head over to SolomonEzra.com or follow me on Instagram at King underscore Solomon 8, Facebook Solomon is Berezin to learn more. Make sure to do something actionable with your learnings today and be sure to let us know via message or social media. Make sure to subscribe on wherever you listen and look out for the upcoming podcasts. Now onto the show with Danny Gavin. Danny Gavin, it's, it's a wonderful to have you on the show today uh, in the few times and growing in number that we've gotten to speak and, and hang around, whether it was on the basketball court coaching your son or when you've taken some time to uh, talk with me on, uh, on the phone. I have really appreciated all our interactions and always have learned something. So it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Don't mind that uh, noise that happens to me, my dog, and he's made, he's made a feature in <laughs> several episodes now because uh, he's still learning how to be uh, polite, but it's, uh, it's a pleasure and um, welcome on. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Solomon. And yeah, I've, uh, I was waiting for the invite, so I'm glad, I'm glad <laughs> I got it. And I'm so excited to be here today. Hey, I had, I, had to, I had to contemplate how to have you on because the other podcasts you're on are about all the marketing and all the business stuff. I, yeah, like, yeah. I like to take that in and how do we also personalize all that you've talked about and that stuff into our, to our own lives. Um, but to start, I, I'd love to hear a little bit of a background and what led you to, 
going into business in the first part at U of H and then ultimately starting your successful company, Optage, and then the Odeo Academy and becoming a speaker, consultant, and now being an adjunct professor at U of H. Yeah, so um, I think where it all starts from is the fact that I grew up in an immigrant family, which I assume you could relate to as well, Solomon. Mm -hmm. My parents moved from South Africa in the mid 80s when I was a baby. And I really grew up, you know, with, you know, my dad came here and my dad and mom came here with very little and sort of had to like live that American dream, you know, work very hard, you know, uh, just do whatever they can to support their family and build a life for themselves in a new country, which is really hard. And um, yeah, so my, my, my dad himself was pretty much an entrepreneur. Um, you know, when he first came here, he worked for a couple of people, but over time he you know, really launched his own business and businesses. And so, I, you know, I kind of grew up in a house where it wasn't like my dad had a nine to five job, but he, you know, had the, the pros and cons of sort of having his own business. And so I was very used to that. So me, myself going, you know, in that direction wasn't a foreign concept for me. Um, but yeah, so that, 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 I think that like sort of sets the stage for that. Um, moving into business. So, you know, um, my background is, you know, high school and college, I went through the yeshiva system. Um, for high school, I did go to a dual curriculum. So both secular and just regular Judaic, um, which not everyone does. Um, but, um, you know, that was helpful in certain way. Um, a lot of people would ask, you know, ask me about, you know, my own children, do I want to put them through a dual curriculum for high school? I don't know if that's necessarily the topic for today. <laughs> we can get to it later, but it's an interesting idea, you know, but then for college, it was all yeshiva, um, base medrash, um, going through sort of the Chabad yeshiva system, which you end up, um, you know, going on shlichut, which is usually either going to community or to a, a yeshiva and helping out and mentoring young, younger kids. And then the year after that is uh, smicha, where you actually go and learn for your rabbinical ordination, which is usually three or four parts in Shulchan Aruch, and which, um, you know, most people in the Chabad system go through. The Rebbe was very for um, men getting their smicha because it's not just about like being a rabbi, but it's about starting your life. And a lot of smicha has to do is with kashros, right? And it's just practical, right? You're going to start your family, your home, and you have all these laws. And if, you know, no one's expecting for you to be the actual decider, you know, if I dropped a, um, a milk spoon, a milk spoon into a pot of meat, like is it kosher anymore? Is it not, right? So the idea was you might not be able to make the final decision, but at least you're going to know the questions to ask, right? So it makes, makes it very practical. Learn those things that you're gonna be using in your life late, later on. Uh, similar to college, right? Going to college and learning those things that you need later on from a business perspective or just from a livelihood perspective. It's sort of like learning those things from a life perspective if you're gonna lead, lead a you know observant Jewish life. So um, after that, you know, it was a matter of deciding what's next. Um, I didn't want to be a rabbi for my profession per se if that's my livelihood so 
the natural, um, I guess, segue from there was I had a couple mentors in my life, one particular Daniel Kotler, and I mentioned him a lot. But, uh, you know, Daniel was someone who had a similar background. He ended up going to Rice and get his MBA. So I did a similar thing. I thought that was a good idea. So instead of Rice, I went to University of Houston. And at the time, I was really upset. And I'm like, what? I couldn't get into Rice. But it actually worked. It was divine providence. And it was perfect that I went to U of H. Um, and yeah, got my MBA there. And um, from there, when I graduated, you know, in my mind, success meant getting a six-figure salary at a huge corporation. And that didn't happen. But once again, that was another blessing from Hashem. And um, ended up joining my family business. But on the side, it allowed me to do consulting and start doing internet marketing and sort of building my own business slowly. So if we fast track, you know, like 12 years later, that turned into starting my own agency, having, you know, 20 employees, part-time, full-time. Um, and then, you know, in 2015, I was invited back by the university because they, they, they realized that when it comes to digital marketing education, it's not enough to have these theoretical professors, but you need these guys who actually do it to provide the most value. Now, that's a great thing about University of Houston in general. I think like something like 30 to 40 to 50% of the staff especially in the business college or people from industry have done it. And therefore, when you go to that university, you're getting like real experience. It's wonderful. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at today. Um, kind of the path that led me here. It was cool. It's nice words about U of H. My, when I was deciding where to go to college, that was my, my mom, where my mom wanted me to go. But, you know, ball is life. Anyways, <laughs> and like you with getting into rice, I wasn't quite at the, uh, let's say, athletic, or at least my stats didn't show. <laughs> I'm still right. pretty sure that I could. Anyways, um, I'd love to touch a little bit upon uh, how do you think, because now as a as more somebody who didn't grow up, uh, as myself, somebody who didn't grow up religious, but entering into more if, of it, and now working in a sense of not balancing but harmonizing the education and growth of of Judaism and observant Judaism and wanting to grow my own business and and uh, sharing content and all the wonderful stuff how did the education and, and growth not just growth but yeah education growing up in all of that you think benefited when you got into learning the business or, or in a sense, maybe uh, made it perhaps challenging. Sure. So let's, I, I can think of two right off the top of my head and that we can delve into further. But the first thing is, I think that going through Yeshiva education, especially, especially learning Talmud, right? Learning Gemara, you, you know, a lot of people talk about it. Um, could you like, also in, in sharing that explain a little bit of what uh, what it is and why for, for those who listeners who may not be familiar? Sure. So Talmud is um, we, we, the Torah, which is the five books of Moses. And typically in like the Christian world, it's like the Old Testament. So we have the, the, the written Torah and then we have the oral Torah. And the oral Torah is basically the explanation of the laws and things that happen in the Tanakh, in the Torah, in the prophets and in the writings. And for a very long time, those discussions um, were oral and it was just passed from, from person to person. 
eventually Rabbi Huda Nasi decided, hey, like this is going to get lost. We have to write it down. So he read it, wrote, wrote down these discussions, which once again are based off of the Torah, but it's more of the discussions of practically, like it talks about the concept of tefillin, but what does that actually mean, right? Or different mitzvot or commandments that God gives us. So that was put together in the Mishnah as we know it. And then um, further, as the, as the generations and years go by, there was discussions on the discussions. So the Gemara or the Talmud um, are, imagine a Mishnah or like an argument between two rabbis. Like, for example, let's take Hanukkah, for example. Should we light the candles um, from right to left or left to right? Should we light eight candles on the first night and then go down seven, six, mm -hmm. five, four? Or should we start at one and build up one on the first night, so on and so forth? So imagine that little discussion. And then the Gomara or Talmud comes along and goes in depth and like breaks it down further. What were they thinking? What's the logic? And bringing in other ideas and concepts. So imagine a lot of discussion and arguments, but not like bad arguments, but positive arguments to really get to the full source of truth. And what should we look at? And in there, there's also stories and different things like that. So that's sort of the foundation of what we're talking about when it comes to Talmud or Gemara. But that education and that way of learning is really unique because where, what it trains your mind to do is to look at something from multiple angles and multiple perspectives, right? Mm. Which is not really happens from a, like from a, um, traditional way of learning like traditional way of learning if you like high school college like yeah. you study the information you spit it back you might have that like one or two professors who actually come up with more of a theoretical situation and and ask you to apply what you've learned you know sometimes that would be more let's say in the math or the sciences right but in a lot of cases it's just like memorizing information and then apply yeah like in that, that was my experience the, the few that were kind of you had to apply it were actually like the liberal arts, like the language, because you had to learn how to convey, but yeah. Right, and so composition, like I, that was one of my favorite things, right, right, throw, you know, here's an, I, here's an idea, you know, write a paragraph or essay of how to, you know, to take look at both sides and then come up to conclusion, right, things like that, where it's that similar. But the idea is, so when it opens your mind, it's like, wow, like I'm looking at things from multiple perspectives, multiple opinions. Um, and it just stretches your brain to, to think and to look differently. Mm. And, you know, even going into smicha, like I remember, um, like we learned all the kosher laws. And then I remember on one of our written tests, it was like, do you need a new retainer for Passover, right? Because Passover has unique kosher laws. I actually was it, thinking about <laughs> or like even hilarious braces. you bring that up. You should just like, saw my eyes because I was thinking about that the other day. <laughs> it's like, do you do you need to kosher your mouth with braces like before Passover? Or the and, retainer, and you're saying the retainer. E either retainer like, a, or like braces. an invisible Exactly. Wow. So the idea would be so then the answer would actually be a 10 page answer why because you have to start from the beginning and what this rabbi says and according to him you could explain it this way but maybe but then in, even in that there's two or three opinions and this is his perspective or that perspective or that perspective and suddenly oh my gosh for this one little question the way i could answer it with a 10-page essay and and with, you know this naturally lends it to like law school or like you know it, art you know explaining things but it changes your whole perspective so the, so what that does, it's just a different way of thinking. And the reason why I know it's different is because 
I remember when I started after yeshiva and I went to go start my master's at University of Houston and I had some like basic questions that I had to answer based off of something. I remember sitting at the table and crying <laughs> like, like, and, you know, with my family and saying like, this is really hard. I don't know what to do. And they're looking at me like, I'm crazy. Like, Danny, you're crazy. Like, it's a, it's a simple question. Like, you can just answer it. And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe, is he looking from this perspective or that perspective? Do I need to look at it this way or that way, that way? My brain was so wired to answer and look at things a certain way. It was, it was hard to, and I don't want to use the term dumb down because it's not dumbing down, but it's like a different world, right? It's a different way of looking at things. Narrowing it, yeah. Narrowing it, right? And like, and like, it was hard, man. That first semester of getting into university and like changing, reprogramming myself was crazy. Um, but the idea, so getting back to your question was like, you know, Danny, from your background, how that would affect your future. And that's what I'm saying. Like, yes, you know, in yeshiva and in base medrash, you might not be learning advanced calculus or advanced chemistry or things like that. But it really sets the groundwork of like your, your brain and is like flexing that muscle of like, how should you look at things? How can you be a master problem solver? Um, further down in life. And I think that's a huge, you know, I'm not saying that that's, you know, the, the key to all success, but it's a huge advantage of going into the world with that tool in your tool belt. You know what I'm saying? It like lays that foundation, it seems. And it's yeah. also important because I think you myself growing up, we, we have a lot of misconceptions about what really is learned at Yeshiva, but when it's taken and looked at, from that point of view as well, that it's it's building these faculties, these these skills, and like what is it even in, in Japan or some other uh, Eastern place, they, they would study it just as a way to to build their thinking. Exactly. So I would say so. That's number one. Uh, number two is, and, and this is definitely not my concept, but you know, a nice thing about Chabad yeshivas is that on Fridays, we go out and do Mitzayim. And what does that mean? Like, so imagine, like, I'm a little 14-year-old kid, and I'll sort of, like, describe to you. I, you know, for me, even, you know, now it's different, but, like, when I was in seventh or eighth grade after Bar Mitzvah, I didn't really wear a hat and jacket outside. Like, I wore it in, in uh, you know, in school or, like, for prayer, for davening. But, like, you know, I went to Yeshiva in LA. So I'm like a downtown LA, like this bustling place. And I'm wearing my hat and jackets. So awkward. Like, cause I, like, I didn't, I wasn't used to doing that going out in public. Um, and then what we would do is we would literally go, you know, from store to store, finding people who are Jewish and asking them to put on tefillin. Um, and that's a big deal for like a 14, 15 year old to go out into public and get that confidence to go up to random strangers and, you know, speak to them and be prepared to be rejected. And how do you convince them and things like that? But think about, imagine doing that for like eight years yeah. and like, you don't realize like sales. the, <laughs> it's, it's basically sales and, and just confidence and not being afraid to speak to people. So yeah, that's a huge advantage that one gets. And not everyone really embraces that when they're in yeshiva, but if you can, and, and I know there's some kids who, um, do it i like i know in new york particularly like there's kids who are doing this from like eight years old nine years old that on friday afternoons i hop onto the subway go to some area of new york city and, and are doing this at that age so like to think about those skills it's huge it's huge 
it's um, it's fun it's funny i remember when i was first beginning to kind of observe that and, and become more practicing in my own life you know you it's it's almost like the, <laughs> the approach is it's it's growing such a business person as well because like you were just saying with the myth soyam and then you learn how to speak well because you know in most families on friday night you every the kid shares their own um speech on the weekly Torah portion so I always got to kick it out I was like because it, I went to the uh, um, a college for, for education for for business but the fellows I was meeting who grew up in in yeshivas were a lot more advanced business-wise than, than I had and because because of that more actionable thing it wasn't just theoretical but anyways I'd love to know how, what, what kind of inspired the getting into the marketing and all the taking this kind of the, the wide breadth of way to perceive things. How did it translate to, do you think into um, marketing and, and wanting to help, you know, express a company to be able to, um, to store, to be able to sell what its products or services. Yeah, so I, I really, like, I didn't know, especially like when I went in to go get my MBA, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I took like one of these personality slash like job tests. And it told me that I would be really good either in HR, human resources or marketing. Um, and, and I think that's basically because I'm a people's person. Um, mm -hmm. I like to deal with people. You know, it didn't say, Danny, become an accountant and just like, uh, you know, so. I think naturally I kind of move towards those areas, but the beautiful thing about marketing in general is that it is really a place for everyone. There, it, 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 the spectrum of, of it's open for people, whether you are very creative or you're very analytical, you have both those types of people in marketing. And there's a lot of room and in between. And therefore, you know, there's certain parts of me that are very creative, um, but a lot of me is analytical and I love to look at numbers and analyze and solve problems. So it just naturally, and, and also the fact that you can like do something, measure the success and see how well you did, like that's very fulfilling and gratifying, yeah. right? Because sometimes we do things and like, it's just for the sake of doing it. Like, I'm not trying to put down accountants, right? But like, if I'm a tax accountant, and I'm putting together people's taxes, I'm sure there's parts of gratification like, okay, I was able to save you this much money. So maybe that's not a good example, but I don't know. I just feel like the cool thing about being able to create a campaign, create a message, create something, and then be able to have to measure it and see how you did is pretty cool. And then another aspect is like helping people. Like the fact that I can help someone else provide for their family or grow their business, um, help their employees. And it's sort of like a perspective, right? So when, when, you know, one way would be, Hey, I'm working, I have a business and it's in order to make money. Right. On the other hand, it's like, how can I help people? Whether it's helping individuals and companies, companies as a whole. And when I come from it, that perspective, you kind of, you, you act a little bit differently because it's not about, okay, how much can I squeeze from that yeah. person? But it's more like, okay, how can I actually help them? How can I make them do a good job as well? Um, that's very fulfilling. 
And it's, yeah. uh, so there's lots of, it's, it's not like a one answer of like, oh, this is why I did marketing, but it's got a couple layers to why I find it fulfilling and, and why, you know, I'm very passionate about it. Hmm. No, it's, it's very helpful what you shared as well with, <clears throat> on, a, on a kind of health perspective and how somebody can focus in or hone in on what their skills are and how to best express it in into different ways into how to contribute and, and how to to help other people to focus on those intentions uh i wanted to transition with what you're saying especially at the end with how you get to to, to contribute and and help other people uh, one of the things that i i found that you've helped me or at least beginning as it's something i'm continuously working on is is exactly that that um focusing on well like the content getting the content and 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 as what other people have in, interviewed you and just spe speaking about with marketing um and and sharing content and making sure it's very focused on how is this benefiting the the reader or the consumer or the company could you could you touch a little bit uh on on that yeah sure I think that, and I think this is like actually a Hasidic philosophy, but the idea is there's two ways to approach something. One is ego. And it's like, man, I'm so great. And I want everyone to know how great I am, <laughs> right? The other perspective is whether I'm great or not, like, I know that I have to look at the end consumer and the question is how can I help them? What can I give to them that's gonna be valuable? So instead of looking at myself, it's looking at them. And I feel like when you approach marketing or business or anything like that, it's not so much about you, it's really about the people who are interacting with you. So you could, that could show itself in a website, like, and, and, and you know, am I talking about myself and like my products or rather, what are the problems that people have and how can I solve their issues, right? Um, so it's not, what, it's not about me, it's more about them. Um, and then the same thing would be speaking at a conference. Like there's so many conferences that I go to that these speakers go up and it's just about, hey, this is why I'm so great. This is all my, you know, these are all the um, amazing things that I've done, check it out, right? And there might be some inspiration in there like, oh, wow, I could do that too. But you know what's so much more valuable is when, when someone speaks and actually tells me what I can do. Like, these are the 10 things that you could do tomorrow, right? So it's just framing, and it could potentially be the same story. But it's like, what are you trying to accomplish here? Is it just to show people how, how, how great you are? Or is it, how can I actually help people? Like, how can I take what, I'm ha what I have and actually give it over? And so it's, sometimes it's like, it could go either way. Yeah. And it's the same content, same information, but it's just how do you approach it? And um, yeah, and, and so that, that's, that's it, it's a huge like perspective and some people naturally go one way or the other. And the trick is how do we, you know, push yourself to yeah. think less about you and more about the other person. In, in, in part with that, or in addition to it that you've, um, helped me with is oh in addition to having that pure intention like 
the content that you're creating is for other people. <laughs> One thing that you've also, I think, spoken to me about is, okay, focus. And I, and I think one thing I've, I've struggled with, and I'm sure other people do as well, especially nowadays, is distraction. And not just distraction that we have daily from different information, but distracting us from what's most important or from maybe helping individuals with the content, but spreading thin and doing many different avenues. So how in that, and even if somebody's receiving, even if um, readers are receiving benefit from the different avenues, how do you help or how do you in your, in your own life focus on what's most important as a saying I, I, or a quote that I've heard that I like is what's keep most, what's most important, what's most, or keep, what is it? The most important thing is to keep the most important thing, the most important thing. That's awesome. So I think that one has to look at like you only have a certain amount of hours per day. You only have the ability, you know, and each one of those hours has a certain value to it. And when you're doing something, it's not only about what you're doing, but it's also about what you're not doing, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm busy with this, then I'm not able to do this. So one guideline for being able to prioritize is what can I do that no one else can do? Often we can see that there's many things that I want to accomplish. Some of them I only I can do. And there's, but a lot of them, and most probably, I don't even say 75%, but a lot of them you can outsource. And I think we've spoken about this before. Yeah. But but the idea is in order a, a huge part of being successful is learning how to delegate. And therefore, if you can find those things that that you don't have to do, but you could get someone to do. And also realize that it may not be done 100% the way you want it. But you know what? If it's 80 to 90%, that's going to be enough. Then, you know what? That's how you're going to be able to grow. I, I like the example that I like to give just quickly is a person I look up to is like my brother-in-law. His name is Danny Fishman. He's the co-owner of a company called uh, Teton Surgical. And man, that guy, he's grown that business into like, you know, multi, multi-million dollar business. Wow. But he has like 30, 40 employees and he's like the king of dele delegation. Like the way he grew that is literally, it's like, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's definitely a good guy to speak to when it comes to delegation, but it's literally like, I'm going to hand this off to you. That's what I'm getting you to do. And you need to do it and just put that trust. And then bam, suddenly when you do that, oh, wow, you've got like 40 people under you and you've, you've been successful. So the point is delegation is key. How do you, um, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. How do you differentiate with being, I think we touched on a little bit before with being honest with oneself though, and the approach, making sure it's delegating and not like dismissing, like you, just because you don't want to do the, do the stuff yourself per se. Oh, that's a hard one. Um. I don't know if it's always black and white. Sometimes there's a lot of gray there where it's like, but 
I'll tell you the answer is, is that what, what will that free up for you to do, right? Nice. So the idea is that if, if by pushing it aside, it's going to let you do something even more important or mm. more, you know, then you know that's the right answer. If it's just like, hey, I'm pushing it off because I don't want to do it. And then now I'm going to go and read comic books, you know, or like just have a good time then yeah, like, you know, that that's just you trying to push it off. Nice. So it's sort of like, what, what is that creating space for? And then are you going to be using that space in a proper manner? And that's why uh, the second part of this is looking at your activities, you have to put a number, like an, a return on investment number on there. Like, like, it, and, and part of that is only trying, right? So, you know, should I post on LinkedIn or should I post on Facebook? You know what? You should post on both and then see, like if you're getting more responses or more business from that one, then you know that's the one that you need to focus on. Should you stop po posting on Facebook completely? Decide. Maybe I can get someone else to help me to do that. Or maybe I stop because it's not important. But it's, it's in the end of the day, you have to like know, okay, when I do this, what has it resulted into? And then I can look at all my activities and see what has it resulted into. And obviously the things that are bringing results, you should continue. The things that aren't bringing results, maybe not. Um, and I know that's like a lot easier said than done because sometimes it's hard to measure results, right? But therefore, you need to have different KPIs or key performance indicators for each activity, right? A certain activity that you do may not result in clients directly, then fine. That shouldn't be your indicator of success that did it turn into clients. It should be like how many people commented, how many people saw it. And eventually you'd like to see how many people came into clients, but sometimes certain, not all KPIs fit for every single activity. Each activity may have its own individual mm -hmm. success metric of whether it is successful or not. But the bottom line is you need some sort of metric, right? Because if you're just doing things and you're yeah. not determining whether it's actually successful or not, then yeah, that's just called spinning wheels. Nice. When it, when it comes to finding, um, somebody to, to delegate something to, what kind of tips do you have as far as uh, deciding or, or clarifying who, what, your, what exactly somebody you may need to delegate? Like a certain, I, I think it may, may be, I mean, more than just, you know, I need to delegate marketing, but when we're more specific, and, and this applies across the board, not just in, delegating but in 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 finding anything or attracting anything in one's life the more specific you can get and specific not narrow-minded but specific the more you're able to find that or become aware of that which you're looking for so so the answer is that sometimes you know exactly what you want mm -hmm. and sometimes you don't and therefore sometimes mm -hmm. the way you have to go about it is just to start and then you'll know what you want and what you don't want. You get what I'm saying? So like, I'll give you an example. The idea would be, let's just take like Facebook, for example. You know, you might be very clear, like I know that I want this type of content and I want to post it this many times a week and that's what I want. And then you give get someone to do that. Sometimes it's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I know I should be doing it, but I don't know what to do. So you delegate it to someone or you hire someone to do it. And then as they do it, you realize, ah, I don't like that or I don't want that. And then you'll figure out, okay, now I have a better idea of what I do want. Mm. So, but 
the point is don't be afraid to just start something because you know, the, the idea is you don't want the paralysis, analysis paralysis, right? Like, let me think exactly what I want and then I'll start. Sometimes it doesn't work that way. And it's sort of like, I, I don't want to compare it to God, but it's like, how do we know God? Is it from what he is or from what he's not? Or like, you know, it's like, how do we know things? Is it from what it is or from what it's not? And sometimes you don't always know what it is. You can only uncover it from what it's not. Yes. And, and you have to be open to embracing it that way sometimes. And, and whenever, let's say you're, you're testing out those things and you experience what you don't, what is it not, you have to be able to, uh, you know, smile and accept it and take it as that piece of information. I think, I think we've all been there where we get kind of discouraged <laughs> after those, those. Yeah. Nights. But, but the trick is like, you know, the successful companies, the successful people are the, are the ones that like, you know, um, you know, there should be no fear of failure or there should be no worry to mess up because that's how you're going to start. Right. But yeah, if you're someone who's scared to fail or there's, or everything has to be perfect before it goes out, you know, you might get there, but it's going to be much harder, you know? Um, so it's a, it's a balance, right? Cause we don't want, yeah. you know, I don't want someone to post something that's totally not me and like, yeah, but then you have like, training wheels in place like okay can you come up with it i want to approve it first you know okay i've looked at your stuff for the past four or five weeks you kind of get an idea of my feeling go ahead now and do it yourself and i don't have to approve everything so no one's saying that you're going to get to point 10 right away yeah but eventually you'll get you know that's kind of how i how i did my you know how i grew my company as well you know yeah, I, I had perfect that's I had, what i was going to ask next next how, yes. how did how did you continue on through because you said it's been it's what 12 12 years so from when i first started optage it's been about 12 years but when i actually decided hey i'm going to grow this into an agency and an actual business that's it's only been about five years that was the end of 2017 and yeah i mean it literally was you know finding young passionate people they don't necessarily know everything but sitting down and um teaching them what you know and guiding them through it. And eventually it gets to a point where it's like, oh, you got it. Go ahead and, and fly, right? So when you think about it, like the, the two people who are heads of departments at my company now who manage multiple people, they all started off like just coming in and learning and then me just downloading everything I know, teaching them. And then they sort of like flying from there. Like, you know, like go ahead and, 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 and soar. And yeah, I'm not going to be checking every single thing you do, but I have enough confidence that you're going to make the right decisions and you're going to do a great job. Um, it's hard. It's really hard. And I see that difficulty in my employees themselves. Like those same people who the whole reason, not the whole reason, but a large reason of where they are today is because of that trust and faith that I've given into them. I see that it's hard for them to delegate, <laughs> right? It's not easy, but hopefully they can like look back and say, oh, like that's how Danny did it. I can also do it. I know it's going to be hard, but you know, so it's kind of interesting how that works. Yeah. In, in, in closing, I'd love to hear a little bit of a, a advice you'd give to somebody like myself who, in addition to growing a business, is also is also growing in their um, practice of 
of Orthodox Judaism and being able to harmonize both of those, um, both of those growths per se, because in, in you, you don't necessarily want to say you know put one on hold. That's why I don't say balance, but harmonize. Be able to because they they do um, bridge together. So one one helps the other. Yeah, no, uh, that's a a really important question and an important insight. So number one, I think one of the biggest blessings that we have is the concept of Ashkacha Pratis, which is divine providence, which is everything has a reason. Now, it doesn't mean that we can, it doesn't mean that life is on autopilot, right? Um, we still have to make choices and decisions. And yes, that concept of how can everything be predetermined and how can you still have choices? Yes, that's a lengthy concept that is discussed in Hasidic thought and mysticism, and we don't have to get into that today. But we do know that both of these exist, right? So, but knowing that there's- It's only in our perspective that it's, uh, that they seem- That it's a contradiction. That, yeah. In, in the higher realms, they, they, it's, there's, it's all one. They can be both the same. <laughs> exactly. It's, it, it's crystal clear. So for us, but knowing that there's divine providence and that God's hand is in everything and there's a reason for everything, it honestly should comfort someone a little bit more, right? Like I see it, and I, I'm not saying, like uh, the idea is I should be seeing that all the time and I should be thinking about that all the time. Sometimes it's easier to rely on that in times of trouble. It's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do, right? Or sometimes it's easy in times of success. And like, oh, only when things are going well, I give credit to you know God. But when it's tough, like I don't. So that's what I'm saying. It's a balance and it's something that we have to work through all the time. But if you really tap into the concept, you know, when you get a really bad email from a client or... And like, oh my gosh, the world is over, right? But it's not like this, this is supposed to happen. Now the question is, how do I deal with it? But like, it's not the end of the world. Like, like this is, this is just part of what's happening. That can change like your day, right? Um, and, or for like the successes, it's like, wow, look at these five leads that I got today. Um, it's not of anything I did. And it's just, it's like, you know, it, it's meant to be, there's a reason that it's here. And now let me embrace it. Um, but it just, it, may, it should make life more comfortable because it's not, it's not that it's just, you know, so sometimes, sometimes like, it's sort of like the more observant we get or the more religious we get, it's like, it's like a contradiction. It's not, it's like being, living in this world and living with this perspective should really help what's going on of like just business and things that come my way. And I'm not saying it's easy, but the point should be that by, it's funny, my dad tells me all this time, like you've got to tap into the tools that you like got when you were growing up. Like you have all the tools there. It's just sometimes we don't actually use them. Um, so I feel like that's good. Deep. And then uh, it, it is, <laughs> it's deep. It's there, man, it's there, but you just have to pull it out. It's like, you know, sometimes if I'm having a really hard time or, or day, it's like my dad's like, dad, Danny, you like, you know how good you feel when you like open up a, a, a piece of Hasidus, a Sikha or a Mimer. And like you learn that thing. And when you're done, like you're on cloud nine, like, why don't you go and do like open up something, go learn, you know, you're going to feel better afterwards. And it's like, it's funny. Like I have all these tools inside of me, but sometimes I just forget to use we, them. We, we can't, we, uh, there's a, a saying I heard that I, 
I've shared before on this podcast and well, I just, I use it as a way to kind of get out of my own way, but it's, we, we can't see our own stuff sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so true. So, so it, it, it could be, so therefore, I mean, it's not always cut and dry and sometimes it looks that certain things are like opposite to like being successful. Like you mean like going to meeting three times a day or this or that, or, you know, like, but the point would be that it's not going to be easy. It's not always easy, but honestly, like you said, it's all there for it to be successful. And we just have to find a way to, to like look at it together. So yeah, I, I, it, it, like I said, it's not, it's not a perfect plan. <laughs> it's not a perfect answer, but man, there's a lot there that we have that we can use to be successful in the real world. And not mean real world, but like in the, in the world that we see yeah. in the world that we live in. Um, and we just have to use those. Like I said, like all those tools are there. We just have to actually take them out and use it. And, and, uh, and, and, but we still have to put in hard work, right? <clears throat> it's not, you know, things don't just happen automatically. Um, we still have to work hard and we have to create those vessels. And if we do that, we can be successful. Things don't just happen automatically, but it does seem the more we can get quiet and get and listen and get out of our own way things will happen naturally it's like things will become clearer and 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 insights as far like even though you were just touching on it's not like a either or from the question but they're both and one one supports the other yeah and like so that's i like to say is that we have messages and signs that are coming past us all the time yeah every single day all the time the problem is, is we don't tap into those, right? It's, I feel like it's sort of like, we just have to put up that antenna and actually realize, whoa, like it's right in front of me. Like, that's what I should be doing. Or like, oh, wow, I've been getting a lot of these things recently. Is that like a sign that I should be going in that direction? Now, look, it's not always like perfect. And sometimes when you go in that direction, it doesn't work out, right? Yeah. But the point is, there is, it's like you said, there's a lot going on around us that is, are these sound signposts from Hashem of like where to go, what to do. And, you know, and like, it's, it's there. We just have to get in tuned. Um, you got to be able, be able to, to practice going from a, a divergent focus and, and a convergent focus just throughout the day. Yeah, exactly. And so, like I said, it's just like putting up that antenna and like, wow, yeah. you're right. All the messages are here. Beautiful. Well, Danny, it's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me and speak on the podcast and, and sharing all your helpful insights, whether it's uh, with growth personally or with, with business. Like we said, it's there together. One thing I've really enjoyed about uh, wanting to start a business and a coaching practice is it is one in, one in hand with, with personal growth. Because you come across, you come up against lots of different insecurities and and just getting in your own way. And when you work on that spiritual part of yourself, it reflects and manifests in, in a physical physical way, whether it's in the business or in your own life. And so, thank you very much again, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing you again soon. Awesome! Thank you so much. 
Thank you very much for tuning in and listening. I hope this episode brought you some really great value. If you enjoyed any of these episodes or would like to hear more, please leave me a review on Apple or Anchor Podcast. I'm always looking out for topics to learn and talk about, gifts to share, and value to bring to us all. For more updates, please check out SolomonEzra.com. That's S-O-L-O-M-O-N-E-Z-R-A. That's where you can also sign up for newsletters, read about blogs, and hear my different podcasts. Take care.